communication is delivering and receiving. <laughs> and then there's a third element of confirming. And so the biggest problem we have is we have very little training or awareness of how poorly we listen. Like I could talk my head off. I have a podcast. I love having my podcast because I get to talk, right? Like it's awesome. I feel good when I'm talking. I love being interviewed. Speakers Thank get to speak. Me. We love it. <laughs> like I could talk, girl, I could talk. But that does not equal communication. If the person is not receiving it, all it is, is mouth noise. Welcome to the Business Ownership Podcast, brought to you by Awareness Strategies, helping you navigate the waters between entrepreneurship and ownership. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedluck, and I am super glad that you're here with us today because I am here with my most amazing guest, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for being here with us today. Michelle, thank you for having me. I am super excited. Nice. So tell everybody a highlight of who you are and what you do for business. Yeah, yeah. So I guess who I am, I'm going to try to describe that kind of quickly. So I started my career, uh, like my working career back in the 1900s as an <laughs> apprentice plumber. Uh, so I came up as a tradesman, craft worker, did that for about 20 years. Then I took a step into the dark side and went to work for one of the largest general contractors in the, in the country. Uh, and then, well, in the U.S., and then I went to work for a national brand as a director of environmental health and safety, which was like super fancy. Um, and then I started my own business. And so I've had my own consulting, coaching, mind shifting business uh, for about 20 months now. And, you know, the, the, I didn't plan it this way, but it, for some people, they think I did. Like having experienced what it is to install the work and be on the trade side of the business and then go into like management and then go work for a general contractor, which is another level of management and then work for like an owner. Help me understand that we're like more alike than we are different. And also, or maybe specifically that we share the same problems regardless of where we are on that ladder, right? On that org chart in that communication and connection are missing. And when they're missing, that's what makes all the other stuff hard. And when they're there, it makes for amazing outcomes and amazing experiences. So that's, that's kind of me in a bottle. <laughs> that's a great summary. So well, this transition that you took, what made you decide to get into the coaching side of things in particular, in particular, the communication, what drew you to that? You know, that's a beautiful question. I think the early, um, the thing that caught my interest early was when I got, when I went from like an installer to foreman, like I was really good at installing things and going fast and working hard. And then I got promoted and all of a sudden I had to learn how to communicate the plan and get people engaged. But I, that took me a few years because the only method I knew was yelling and threatening people. And that doesn't like, that's not a motivator. <laughs> I learned. <laughs> yeah. Like, like it just didn't work. Like people would quit. Um, and I had a boss who pointed out, he said, Jess, you know, you have great business results. Like your projects finish on schedule, your projects make money. And you've reached a point in your career that if you don't change the way you're doing things, you're going to stay here. And if you want to progress and have the influence and impact that I think you could have, you're going to have to change. 
And I'm like, what, what world are you coming from? Like, I'm making money. What, what's the problem? And so he said, you got to accomplish two things wherever you go if you want to grow your influence. And for me, that was really important. He said, you have to have business results and you have to develop people. And that develop people thing was a totally foreign concept. And, you know, luckily the company I was working for and the leaders I had within the company, there were resources available that they connected me to. And so all of a sudden I learned that if I like stopped making mouth noise and spent more time understanding what people were dealing with, that I could have greater impact, better business outcomes, and my influence grew. And so that took a long time to learn that, but that was kind of the impetus of it all. And I started listening more uh, and things grew. My career trajectory like spiked, I mean, like took off and that put me in public speaking. I discovered that I enjoy teaching. Um, and because of the listening, I identified a business problem. And it's like, okay, so we're promoting people based on their ability to install stuff without equipping them with the tools to manage and lead and, and adhere to the processes, and which was my path. I got promoted to foreman. I sucked really bad for like two years. I figured it out. I got good. And then they promoted me again. And I sucked again. And I had to learn, right? Like this was, this, it was trial by fire. Like that's how we promoted. That was the career trajectory, right? Like, or the, the development path. And I said, well, what if we train and prep people based on what I was hearing? What if we gave them the tools and the insight to like make a smooth transition? So I started doing that, like testing it with my teams and I was having great outcomes and it became a company thing. And then people say, man, I don't, you know, I still wonder if they promoted me because, because of the value I brought or they promoted me to punish me for all the complaining I did. I think it's the latter. <laughs> Anyhow, I kept getting promoted and over and over again, I, so I started playing a little bit more with the office people. I call them carpet dwellers, right? Uh, and then I started playing a little bit more with executives and other you know, external clients. And it's a different language that they speak, but it's the same kind of situation. Um, and so it became super apparent, like this listening thing was an advantage that I had coupled with my experience in living and swimming in the different layers of the organization. There was a translation thing also that had to happen. Uh, and so as I continued to do that, opportunities just kept pouring in and because I'm kind of curious and want to figure everything out so that I can like do it again and like have less stress and less friction. It just naturally all, you know, series of experiences led me further and further into understanding people, um, understanding like myself and what, why I disconnect from listening and how it brought value to my career. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, wait, I have an understanding of these things. I can help people with this. So I kind of started doing that. And then people started saying, man, you're a great coach. And I'm like, huh? oh, okay. But ultimately what, what really made me like, okay, I have to make a change happened during the, the pandemic, the lockdown. At the time I was traveling around the country, supporting business units and project teams on their transformational agendas, uh, which was an awesome job. 
I slept in my own bed maybe three nights a week, which I love because I don't have to make my bed when I stay in hotels. Like, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and because of the pause, I had to stay home. So I had a lot of time to reflect. And as I was reflecting, I'm like, oh, my God, I have this really job that exceeded my dreams, right? It was this ultimate job where I got to leverage all my skills and talents. But there, it still wasn't like super duper amazing, right? So it was like awesome. But within that, there was this sliver of super duper amazingness. Uh, and that was when I worked with people one-on-one -on -one, and when I worked with small groups for an exper uh, extended period of time, I could see the transformation in the way they operated at work and at home. And I could see or hear the evidence of their quality of life increasing. And then I said, okay, how do I do that full time? And so that's really what sparked the idea and led the path to me doing what I do now. I love it. So give us some of the fundamentals of and communication that you find most people are missing. Yeah, I, I'm going to say the first one, which is kind of obvious, um, and and I think it's it's just natural conditioning, right? There's all kinds of training and coaching and courses on how to communicate. But really what they're teaching people to do is how to deliver a message. Communication is delivering and receiving. <laughs> and then there's a third element of confirming. And so the biggest problem we have is we have very little training or awareness of how poorly we listen. Like I could talk my head off. I have a podcast. I love having my podcast because I get to talk, right? Like it's awesome. I feel good when I'm talking. I love being interviewed. Speakers Thank get to speak. Me. We love it. <laughs> like I could talk, girl, I could talk. But that does not equal communication. If the person is not receiving it, all it is is mouth noise. And so when I started like paying attention to, okay, what's the differentiator? Um, because I got to work with all kinds of leaders all across the country, there were a very few number that stood out. And the significant difference that they all shared was that they were phenomenal listeners. So I'm going to go a little deeper about this listening thing, right? So at the elementary level, we'll say it that way. At the elementary level, listening is me not moving my mouth. But that, like, that's elementary. If you're doing that, you might get away with it for a little bit. The next level is kind of the generic stuff we hear out there, like active listening, right? Like mirror them and nod and, and agree and repeat what they said. Like, that, okay, middle school, right? That's, that's not bad. That, that's good. That's part of the progression, I think. Um, and then there's like the, the ultimate level, which is, Listening is me asking interested and curious questions to better understand what you think and feel about the situation, right? Like that's gangster level. OG, if you're doing that, you're making connection with the human being in front of you. And then if based on what I heard from you, I helped you get clarity about the situation, A plus, right? And if I take action based on what I gathered from our dialogue, that is a demonstration that I heard you. That's the piece that we are almost entirely unaware of. 
And and I think it gets worse based on like there's this ratio of level of responsibility, aka stress, <laughs> and our ability to listen. Because the more authority and responsibility we have in an organization, we have this self-imposed expectation to be the answer person, to have all the answers and be all knowing of all things, which, you know, that kind of feels good and it kind of makes sense, but not really. It's like a really counterintuitive thing. And so what ends up happening is, Michelle, you come to me with the problem. I tell you what to do. You come to me with another problem, I tell you what to do. How does that feel? Um, <laughs> in in a starting position, I can see that working for a while, going, "Oh, that's what you want me to do." Okay, and I also see that in in school we're taught that that's how communication happens. You go and ask teacher, and the teacher gives you an answer. You go back to your desk, you go and write it down, and you memorize it, and you make sure that you know it for the test, and life is good, and that's how you succeed, right? <laughs> yeah in school in school (laughs) but the problem is that interaction that style of interaction disconnects you from your agency because you can't make a decision why because you don't have the answers why because jesse has the answers and so then me as a leader i have all these people that i have built dependency from Right, like because I'm always giving them the answer, they have disengaged their hearts, their minds, their creativity, because I'm gonna tell tell you what to do anyways. And now they're hyper dependent on me. And now they become time bandits. And I start getting really frustrated because damn, I just wish people gave a damn nowadays. I just wish people took initiative. When the truth is, I have created that behavior because I can't help but solution shank them every time they come to me with the problem. And so like the, if you're in that situation or rather, does that situation sound like totally abnormal and foreign, Michelle? Well, I I particularly see it a lot in um, technical jobs where somebody starts with the company and it's like, okay, you need to do it this way. This is how we do it. I need you to get used to doing it this way. And this is the way it's done. And, and then, you know, somehow, some way that the tide rate rises, nobody notices because you're both kind of floating your boats. Life is good. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, now I'm sick and tired of answering your questions. <laughs> you should know this by now. <laughs> and yes. that's when, you know, there's this secret resentment that happens for a little bit and then it becomes a public resentment, <laughs> becomes a public problem, and then it becomes babysitting. A hundred percent. And we are responsible for our contribution to that because it didn't happen just because of them. We played a role. And as a leader, we got to take responsibility for that because we can change our behavior, which will change the conditions, which the people will eventually evolve and adapt to the new situation. Um, And so the practice is instead of giving answers, ask a question. What have you tried? What are some options, right? Because by doing that, and and the coaching habit is is a book that kind of gives you very tactical steps of what you can use uh, to to combat that behavior. But what that does is one, it lets the problem owner keep the problem and it engages their critical thinking, right? And as I'm asking questions and saying, okay, well, what do you think the outcome would be? 
okay, like, what do you need to do to get that started? I'm like, oh, okay, what else do you need from me? Like, all I did was ask questions and listen to their response and reintroduce them to their agency that they have the capability to make a decision and go take action. And so there's this independence and they can grow and now we can access their creativity and so forth. Um, now, like, here's a confession. I can do that really well in the workspace and I can help leaders understand or build that skill, but I'm horrible about it at home, <laughs> right? Like when my family has like, just do this. <laughs> and then I'm frustrated because why, right? I'm creating these dependents and it's my behavior. And so, you know, back to the, this communication thing, I'm just going to assume that we're all like, I think if we did some kind of test, everybody would probably score B's like the general average would be B's on delivering a message and would be like a negative F on listening. And like getting to know and understand what people are thinking and feeling. Um, and so that's that's kind of the big thing that that I really, really focused. And you know, the beautiful thing about business is there's so many opportunities within the processes, the systems, the like everything to practice this listening thing and become aware of our gaps. And I also know that the leaders that actually practice it and work on improving it and actively seek feedback about how am I doing as a listener? <laughs> they, the people that they influence or like that are in their immediate circle, love them because they're more human, more, or like the technical term is more humaner, right? Like they, they, by saying, how am I doing on my listening? What, how could I better serve you? These types of questions is a demonstration of vulnerability. By me not giving you the answer all the time is a demonstration in vulnerability because in the typical workplace, you know, the hierarchy or the power dynamic dictates that we know all the answers. And so by demonstrating vulnerability, we humanize ourselves and the connection that we have with the people that we are responsible to gets tighter and performance increases. Um, now, I wish I could say that all of that can happen in like 30 days, uh, <laughs> but no. Well, <laughs> no. let's back up a little bit because I think there's, people go down a slippery slope when it comes to that transition from, I'm gonna give you the answers to go figure it out. And they wonder why, well, I didn't really have an opportunity to listen because you know I just sent them on the way to go and figure it out. <laughs> It's like, that's not what we're talking about here. So let's back up a little bit. Okay, so we've recognized that you may have been in a position where you were giving the answers to to your peeps when they were coming to you and asking for them. In that transition, how do you get, or how do you train somebody to get from, uh, you know, what are the answers to tell me what, you, what have you tried? I haven't tried anything yet. I don't know, to to having a conversation where it's not just, oh, okay, yeah, okay. And then they leave and they don't actually know anything. They're just giving you a head service, like, yep, uh-huh, yep, sure, mm-hmm. And they really don't know what they're doing and they're stuck and they're like, okay, this sucks, I'm gonna go get another job. Oh, 
I say beautiful question. I want to ask a clarifier. Are we yeah. asking for the leader or for the, the the direct report? Well, let's start with the leader. Okay. Okay. <laughs> or if it makes more sense the other way around. Yeah. But I'm assuming it's the leaders in this position, in this case, that are listening to this, as opposed to the um, somebody that's new in a work job. I'm I'm assuming <laughs> people right, are right, work right. that want to have a job and stay hired don't listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> if on the other hand you found your company and you find you can't escape it <laughs> you want to actually enjoy it again that those are yeah. probably our listeners i love it i love it beautiful so i'll tell you what i did when i started trying to learn the practice right i, yeah. I the way it started was i was doing performance reviews for my team and and now i'm like wait a minute like here i am doing performance reviews for them like i should I should get a performance review back from them because we're a team and we spent so much time together. And I also know that if we're all aware of the things that we're working to improve on and share that and actively support each other, call each other out about it, we will improve faster. So I went back to my team and I said, hey, here's my idea. I'm doing your performance reviews. I want to share our goals with each other. I need your permission to do that. And we'll hold each other um and pull, call each other out as we go forward so that we can get better faster what do you think he's like yeah that sounds great I said okay but you need to give me feedback on what i need to work on they said okay <laughs> and they said all of them separately gave me the feedback and they all said that i was a horrible listener which at the time i 100 still and then believe that i was the best damn listener in the organization and so I asked them for, I was like, okay, instead of arguing, thank you. I need you to point it out to me when I'm doing it. And so like the short answer, like the, the, the nugget is let your people know that you're trying to build the skill. Vulnerability. But if I let my, when I let them know, like, look, I need to work on this and I need like the, um, the, the basic, basic level, right? Like I need you to slap me every time I'm not listening so I can become aware of when I don't listen. And so, so that's one thing. If you're working on building this skill and making that transition, let your people know, or maybe let somebody you trust know, because again, there's some vulnerability in this, but it's super, super valuable. I'm trying to be a better listener and stop giving you answers all the time because I would like for you to know that you have the skill and the talent to make a decision. And so we're going to work in that direction. That's the purpose of this, this thing. And I want to become a better listener. Awesome. That's one thing. Now, if that's not comfortable, I'll give a, like maybe a mental model to think about. And so if we think about like the coaching scale, on one end of the scale, there is telling, which we're all really good at, go do this, just do this. And then there's coaching, which is asking curious and interested questions. And another story, I was coaching um, a finance manager on a problem that he was working on. And I was just doing like the open-ended questions, trying to get him to examine his own thinking. And he finally said, Jesse, would you cut the Jedi BS and just tell me what the hell to do? <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh. so the problem was, on the coach, I wasn't thinking of the coaching scale. Every it, like our response to the individual is directly related to their um, what's the word, 
competence on the issue. And so, so example, if when you're teaching a child to tie their shoes, do you ask them open-ended questions? How long would it take you to teach a kid to tie their shoes if you just ask them open-ended questions? You'd never get it done, right? Velcro, it's over with. So we start off by telling. So low capability, if the individual has low capability, low competency on the thing, you tell them. And then just like teaching a kid to tie their shoes, once they get a few reps of you telling them, you do it with them, right? They do a little bit, you do a little bit. Because now they're going to start getting more responsibility. Their competency is going up. Once you can see they understand the pattern, they understand the system or whatever the thing is, their capability and competency is growing, then you can ask, you know, all right, I'm going to watch you and supervise you and make sure you don't go off track. And once you say, okay, you got this, then you can go all the way to coaching. So in terms of this transition of going from uh, a solutionizer, teller, answer giver all the time to like a coach, you want to really take into account the person's competency on the thing that they're dealing with. How helpful do you think that is? Right. Absolutely. I do. It's the, I think the, the element that people tend to get lost in is it's in the heat of the moment. So mm. when leaders tend to be the worst listeners is when they are emotionally involved in the outcome of what's going on right now. It's usually an emergency. We've missed a deadline or the client is ticked or something went awry on the job. And I'm just like, I'm losing my mind. This has to get done. You have to go here. You go there. You go there. Do your thing. Go. And it's like, hey, you know, these guys over here, I don't care about your problems, right? <laughs> right. And that's when it's like, you almost need a code word. And it's like, just somebody whisper in your ear. And it's not like, hey, Michelle, Michelle, you might want to listen now because that'll pro possibly send them off. But if you have kind of a code word <laughs> with, with yes. that person that you trust that can see you in the heat of that moment going, okay, this is the time. This is the time. Oh, this is the time. Oh, okay. Now we know. So I haven't been outed in public. I just heard this is the time and everybody else is going this time for what? Nobody knows. Nobody cares, but I know. And I go, oh, okay. So now I get to chill out a little bit. Now I get to kind of go, okay, I've had my rant and now I have to listen because this is the key moment when I need to be listening. Yes, ma'am. So the, the word that I was introduced, I can't remember who told, but get a spotter. Like well, what yeah. you're talking about specifically, get a spotter, somebody, and be clear, like, hey, this is the thing that I'm working on. <laughs> I need you to point it out. If you safe word is good. What I did with my guys, they were all my spotter. I'm like, like, I need to know how you're going to. So it was Doug, Noah, and Al. Um, and they were all plum foreman, So they had different roles on this big old hotel we were working on. Anyways. Doug said, I'm going to tug on my ear whenever you're not listening. I'm like, oh, perfect. Al said, I'm going to do this, right? The sign across the throat, like, oh, okay, good. Noah, he was the more animated and coincidentally youngest of the group. He said, I'm just going to tell you you're being stupid. Like, okay, that works. <laughs> and If it gets to that we... point, <laughs> might be what I need. <laughs> right, yeah. And so to your point, it wasn't that I didn't like that. I never listened. Mm. It was precisely whenever they were having an installation issue 
uh, or uh, acquiring material, like a material issue, mm. like, like equipment, a resource issue. I would, like I already knew, like, oh, just do this. And so whenever that was coming, it, I knew what the answer was. They kind of knew what the answer was too, but because I jumped in, like I, I, you know, I was disrespecting them a little bit. I was judging and condemning them by not letting them finish their thought. So here's another thing I had to do because when I finally started responding to the signals, my skin was still crawling because <laughs> I'm like, can we just get there? And they were pointing like, Jess, like, you're going to grind your teeth flat if you, if you can't figure this out. Like, yeah, I know I'm working on it, bro. So I started timing myself, right? Because I knew how painful it felt to not give them the answer. And in my head, I could be more efficient and productive if I just gave them the answer. So I say, you know what? I'm going to start my timer. Every time they signal me, I'm going to let them finish and I'm going to stop my timer and try to do it where they couldn't see it. They always saw it. So that I could have data to justify my argument that it was unproductive time. Want to guess how much, like the average amount of extra time I had to give them? Seconds. <laughs> it was seconds, sister. It was, it was. Felt like hours. <laughs> Been <Yep>. there. <laughs> never more than, and I, and, and so for me, like I need the data <laughs> to validate or invalidate my feelings. And when I saw that, I was like, it's a minute and we're going to get along more. And I'm not going to add, like add stress to an already stressful situation. Uh, so those are some things I did to the early on to kind of stop the mouth noise and do more listening and better connect with my people. I love it. In a moment, I'm going to ask you for a Cinderella story of one of your clients. But before we do that, we're going to take a break. Are you running a business over seven figures but still struggling with technology headaches? Pay attention. You do not want to miss this offer. This podcast episode is brought to you by Awareness Strategies, who is offering a custom-built digital adoption roadmap for anyone running a business over seven figures who's wanting to grow their business in the next five years. And it's not just a roadmap. They offer full implementation as well. If that scares the out of you, check out awarenessstrategies.com forward slash roadmap for more details today. The link's in the show's notes. Don't regret not doing this. Do it now. That's awarenessstrategies.com slash roadmap. So I am super excited to find out and to listen to the story about a Cinderella story of one of your clients. Oh my goodness. So Cinderella story, my favorite time. <laughs> So I had this crazy idea, right? After I've spent years becoming a better or working to become a better listener, I started getting a lot of feedback that I asked great questions. How did I learn that? I'm a great listener. How did I learn that? And like full disclosure, if any of my exes hear this, they're going to disagree that I'm a good listener. Um, and uh, the, the depth of vulnerability that like my comfort with vulnerability, I kept getting this feedback. And so I had to examine how did I build that, those skills? And I said, Oh, I know exactly how I built the skills vulnerability. You know, I'm, I'm seven years and eight months sober, uh, right now. And so I developed my comfort with vulnerability through 12 step meetings saying, I have a problem in front of a bunch of strangers over and over and over and over help me know that the sky wasn't going to fall down if I'm vulnerable. Um, the listening and asking questions came from an exercise that's designed, like that has rules. 
Um, and so there's three, three roles. One is a problem owner, one's a coach, and one is an observer. And I'll just focus on the coach's role. The coach's role is to ask only interested questions. <laughs> and so what that means is no advice, no solutions, no answers, no leading questions, no open end or no closed ended yes or no questions. And I had sat through that extra way back and like, bam, awareness blown. So I combined all of that. And then I, I, there were four people that I know in the industry that were very influential, but it was my observation that they struggled connecting and that they could have deeper influence and better serve people if they listened better. So I said, hey, I have this idea. We, I got them all together. We, we jumped on a monthly call and we practiced these things, right? Everybody had their role. We call it emotional bungee jumpers now. Like that's the name of the thing. Um, and my hypothesis was they would become aware of their, um, their low level of skill in the listening department. They would become aware or maybe build confidence in be being vulnerable. And they would also get much better at giving feedback, like clear, concise feedback and gracefully receiving feedback. So that was the thought. We started doing it, and and I'll, I'll talk about one person specifically, Jennifer Lacey. She and I have a live stream every other Saturday, No BS with Jen and Jess. Um, early on, she was she couldn't listen because she's you know you you have a fast brain, and when people are talking, you're you, you got all the static, and she was constantly like because of her excitement, um, and so that was kind of one of the indicators to me that this would benefit her. Uh, and Jennifer, hopefully you won't hate me for this. Anyways, she, what she has, what I've been able to witness from the very first time to now, we've been doing it two years now, uh, is she has become a much deeper listener, much more intentional in the type of feedback that she gives back to people. Uh, her confidence with vulnerability has like, multiplied exponentially such that her family members have told me that there is a dramatically noticeable difference in the way she shows up at home in her company and within the con construction industry at large she is now recognized for her authenticity and her listening abilities and her prowess to deliver the value that people are looking for. And the reason she can find that precise value is because she's a phenomenal listener and ask like the, the question that makes you say, oh my God, I never thought of that. Uh, and so that's a result of repetition, being focused and being wanting to share. Now, the rest of the group has also experienced very dramatic results um, in professionally and personally. And because of that, we said, I was like, man, I gotta, we gotta make this public. We gotta let more people in because we can help people. So that that's one of the Cinderella stories. Does that qualify? <laughs> Absolutely, it does. Awesome. So I know our listeners are gonna want more from you, especially finding out more about you and Jen. So how did they start that journey with you? Yes, yes. So two ways. Uh, if if you're a LinkedIn person, I am hyperactive on LinkedIn. I think you can find me at Jesse Depth Builder. Uh, on LinkedIn, Depth Builder is the name of my company. Um, 
also my website, which is depthbuilder.com and like depth as in deep trust, deep vulnerability, deep authenticity, that kind of depth. Uh, that's, that's the website. So one or the, and the website will get you connected to like all my socials because I'm on TikTok and Insta and all the other stuff. You also have written a book, yes, on communication and relationships. Yes, yeah. So yeah, that thank you that. for that. Um, the one book, the first or the second first book is <laughs> Lean in Love, Five S Love Letters. And actually I co-wrote it with Jennifer Lacey. Um, and that that book is applying the five S system, which is sort, set, shine, standardize, sustain. Any lean freaks out there, you know what I'm talking about. Um so that's a system that's typically applied in uh, manufacturing, construction, these types of environments. Um, but it was contextualized by one of my exes and applied to our personal relationships. So for example, sort is get rid of the things you don't need. You have that drawer in your house that has everything in the world that doesn't, like you should just throw away. Or you have stuff in your car that you don't need in your car. Get rid of the stuff that you don't need. That's sort. How does that apply to our personal relationships? Well, what would our personal relationships be like if we sorted out and got rid of resentment, distrust, right? And so that's what the letters are on. Like, how do we apply this to our personal relationship? The book is based on our Jennifer Lacey and I uh, live streaming about applying those concepts, that idea in our professional relationships. And so that turned into seven live streams, which then turned into a book, uh, which again, Lean in Love, 5S Love Letters. And the book- yeah, is I, got, I like gotta stop you there because that title and <laughs> you keep drawing it back to, especially the trade industry, which kind of cracks me up. It's like, I, I'm picturing these guys going, yeah, I don't know if we're ready for that yet. <laughs> you know- <laughs> Michelle, I love that because that was kind of the thing that slapped us in the face because right? she works for like a general contract, one of a big giant contractor, uh, healthcare builder in the country. And I was like, hey, I got this crazy idea. I knew those letters were valuable. I didn't know what to do with them, but I said, hey, I got a crazy idea. And she's like, okay, weirdo, let's try it. I expected nobody to show up for this live stream. What ended up happening was we had people showing up every other Saturday at 8 a.m. Central to not only like be a part, like listen and watch, they started sharing like intimate, vulnerable thoughts and situations, fears, concerns in the chat, like in the most vulnerable space ever. Like you wouldn't, why would you put it on the internet? And all of these people represented like the top 10 construction companies in the country. Wow. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly what we said. Like, what the, what is going on? What is this? Um, and so, you know, we, we started asking like, okay, why, like, why are you showing up? And what, what, we don't, we don't understand this. Like, we were just going to do this and like, let it be. And uh, the, like the general consensus was, it's like, well, we can't talk about these things at work. We can't talk about these things at home. Y'all are talking about these things and like the dumb stuff that y'all are did that y'all did. And so it give kind of gives us permission to do the same. And so what the signal was is like somehow we discovered the conditions for trust, 
for vulnerability, like that psychological safety thing. And because it's absent in construction, largely absent, that's why people are like taking the leap off the edge to post their, their stuff on the internet. Um, and, and so that signal, like, okay, now we have a responsibility here. We've, we've found this place that is where people can connect and recharge and, and grow themselves individually and let some stuff out. Um, we can't stop it. And so it's, it's, still, and I, it's still I particularly lot. like this part of the conversation because now, now we're getting into the nuts and bolts of it. And it's, to me, it is when leaders of large companies, they're going to have these issues, right? You, you say it's time to sort. Well, you know, when you kind of sort of have a monopoly on a service that you're providing in the industry, you can't escape certain people. You know, you know, you're going to have to deal with George again. It's just, it's going to happen. Sorry, George. But you know, how do, how do I have a conversation with George that is vulnerable, that sorts things out when George was kind of, you know, that move back there was not kosher. Nobody liked that. Everybody knows about it. How do we address the elephant in the room? And because we're going to have to deal with each other for the next 20 years or whatever it is, like, how do we get into this kind of crap? Because at this level, you're right. There is a, it's me, myself, and I having this conversation. Somebody wants to be the first to step out and go, there's a different way of doing this because we all know that trades work and anybody that gets onto a new site, you know that there's just a certain atmosphere that's going to happen, right? Same thing happens in oil and gas. Same thing happens in a few select industries where you just know that, you know, we're here to work. We're not here to like each other. I'm not your buddy. I'm not going to pat you on the back, get your work done and go home. But at the same time, I still have to have a relationship with you because, you know, we have X, you know, millions of dollars on the line on this job. We've got to figure this out. 100%. And that's what came through, right? It's like, nice. The book is a compilation of what Jennifer and I shared on the live stream. Um, and a lot of like the super awesome cheat codes that, that the participant, like the viewers shared, like they shared some good stuff. Like, Hey, this is what I do on my project. And this is what I like. So it's kind of like there's advice in there. There's best practices in there, cheat codes, and, you know, the framework to think about relationships differently and just do one at a time. Like you just do one and people have experienced value from doing, doing the things. I love it. I love it. I love it. So we will, of course, have all of Jesse's links in the show notes. So go ahead and scroll down, open up in a new browser because we're not done yet. So you alluded to uh, a little bit. Uh, I'm going to ask you, at what point in life did you know that you were special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? <laughs> what was that kind of moment? And was it, what is it in that moment that you decided to start your own business? Or did you have, you know, seeds of it from before that? Yeah, I'm still not convinced that I'm capable of being an entrepreneur. Right? Like, <laughs> I, I, there are many, many days where I look back and say, "How in the hell did I do this?" Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just doing, and it's working out. Um, now, this might be valuable because you know, it's probably early New Year. Um, I was asked. I heard a question on a buddy of mine, Adam Grant. He's an architect. He interviewed me on his podcast. Anyways. He had posed this question back in 20, 2009. And the question was this, 
What have you learned over the past 10 years that you can pull and apply to the next 10 years that that'll have like transformational impact? And what I pulled from that were, were two big things. One, I spent a lot of money on, on just like, yeah, I mentioned my sobriety, right? So I spent a lot of money on keeping myself out of prison because I got arrested a bunch of times, like a lot of money. So I have disposable income, even though I thought I didn't. Two, what had shaped or laid the path for my career trajectory, and I kind of mentioned it earlier, like it doesn't make sense for a little apprentice plumber to go down the path that I've been. But the thing that was consistent all along the way was when I had an interest in something, even the something that was a little bit embarrassing that I didn't want people to know about because they were going to think I'm a nerd and, and such, I obsessively learned about it. And so from there, I said, okay, if I apply, like I spent this much money on lawyers and court fees and ankle monitors and all that magical stuff, what if I spend that on building new skill sets and having new experiences? Um, on the things that I'm particularly curious about. And so when I started doing that, what I discovered is that I can create the conditions for me to grow exponentially, whatever that looks like. And so this entrepreneur thing is really more an exercise in learning my limits and discovering new capabilities than it is trying to be an entrepreneur. Does that make sense? <laughs> yes, it is. And, and I think the word entrepreneur trips up a lot of people in that it's it's become a a thing. I I mean I get it. You're you're starting your own company. You're you're a founder of a business, and now it's got a name to it. And and what that means to different people is fascinating to me. And to me, it's always about the focus of control it's do you have the ability to be able to run your own life or are you still delivering it in the hands of somebody else and, and have you recognized that yet and sometimes people run huge companies and they still haven't discovered that they're they have that focus of control yet which is also fascinating to me is kind of when does that happen and how do we know it sometimes people are born with it and they just know you know <laughs> they're yeah. they're They've got yeah. the their mom already, you know, talking up a storm and they're selling and bartering things <laughs> right yeah. out of that womb. And some of them, they've been doing it. They're professional at it. They're good at it. And they still don't know that they're doing it. Yeah. Well, I love the delineation, like that control thing. And uh, yes. So from that perspective, <laughs> I, I was kind of born that way, right? Like yeah. I, I couldn't, I could not just accept things the way they are. Well, I'm going to say two things. I was born that way and there was some early childhood trauma that set me up to not leave things just the way they are. Um, I had a friend that like my first love crush, she died when we were in seventh grade. Like she, yeah, she passed away. And I remember before that, like my name is Jesus, right? That's the name my mama gave me. But I remember thinking like deciding in that moment i'm not going to be jesus anymore i'm going to be jesse because jesus followed all the rules jesus did all he's straight a honor roll all that crap 
and it still hurts. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be Jesse and I'm going to have fun because it's going to hurt anyways. So that was maybe the most pivotal moment in terms of I can transform my reality, period. And little by little, it got more mature and more intentional. But maybe that's where it started. That's a beautiful question. Now I understand. <laughs> hey, I love it. I love it. You've been absolutely awesome. Any last words for our peeps? Yes. You know, they always recommend a call to action. And so here is my call to action. Uh, be kind to yourself and share a smile with somebody. Aw, I like it. Thank you, Jesse, so much for your time. I appreciate it. I know how valuable it is. Thank you. Peeps, this is Michelle Nedlock. Thank you for being here with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the show and share it with your friends. We'd love helping entrepreneurs grow. Are you running a business over seven figures but still struggling with technology headaches? Pay attention. You do not want to miss this offer. This podcast episode is brought to you by Awareness Strategies, who is offering a custom-built digital adoption roadmap for anyone running a business over seven figures who's wanting to grow their business in the next five years. And it's not just a roadmap. They offer full implementation as well. If that scares the out of you, check out awarenessstrategies.com forward slash roadmap for more details today. The link's in the show's notes. Don't regret not doing this. Do it now. That's awarenessstrategies.com slash roadmap.